Welcome everybody to the Underground Church Podcast. My name is James and we got brother Abraham on the mic as well. So today we're going to be talking about the increasing divide between worldviews and perceptions that are rooted in contemporary science and worldviews that are rooted in spirituality, when in fact the two should meet, right? So that's right. basically the best piece of evidence that I could think of to pull up to really show that science is not necessarily separate from the spiritual world is this demonic possession case, actually. And this is, uh, this is one of the best pieces of evidence, I think, that the spiritual realm exists. And so what this was, was this was an Indiana case. And we're going to take a look here in a second at the actual report. In this Indiana case, there was a boy that was demonically possessed and he was in a hospital and the staff in the hospital witnessed him being lifted up off the ground and wow. thrown into the wall with nobody touching him, right? So if now we try to factor in contemporary science into this, right, because in the day and age that we live in, especially in the West, everybody wants to have a concrete, got to see it to believe it perception to how we interpret anything like this or we simply believe that these stories are sensational they're not true these people must be making it up but here we have a good source to look to for evidence that the spiritual realm exists as we can see here it says that this boy that was in this hospital walked up a wall flipped over and stood there right and so we're going to take a look here let's actually take a look at so this isn't stuff like oh you know, um, I just saw a flicker in a, a computer screen. This is an actual physical, um, th these are reports of actual physical phenomena that actually happened um, to these children, right? right? Yep, that's correct. Mm. So um, we got the preliminary report right here for Indiana Department of Child Services. Wow. And so we got the nature of the complaint down here, right? And so it says that RS states they believe the mother may have mental health concerns. RS states the mother has reported that there are demons in the home and they are attacking the children. RS states the mother reported that the children fight one another and are abusive to one another and, they, and then they pass out. This individual reported that there are ghosts in the home, thousands of them, and he can see them. Okay, so obviously at this point, if you're reading this, you're like, okay, these people have psychological issues, right? But now if we come over here to the report here, so this is the actual intake officer's report. Um, before right. that was the preliminary report. Right. So it says here that the medical staff stated Mrs. Ammons reported various stories regarding demons and spirits. Now, what's interesting here is it says that the medical staff reported that while the children were at their primary doctor's office, they reported that they observed this boy being lifted and thrown into the wall with nobody touching him. So this is the medical staff now that are all claiming they observed this. So then it says that the Gary Police Department went to the home and the home had multiple religious shrines, Bibles throughout the home, plenty of food, and the home was clean. Uh, it should also be noted too that down here it says that a psychological evaluation was completed with Mrs. Emmons and it was found that she was of sound mind. There was no concern about her mental stability at this time by the hospital psychiatrist. So the initial preliminary report, they were concerned that they were saying, oh, she obviously has mental condition, some mental problem, right? Mm -hmm. well, we can see here that they did a, a psychological evaluation here on Mrs. Emmons and there was no issue. So this is, uh, this is one of those, how do you really explain this from a scientific or an atheistic point of view? 
how do you explain the spiritual away with contemporary science that rejects any kind of a spiritual interpretation? And, you know, the only thing I could think of is like quantum leap, <laughs> you know, to say that maybe quantum leap was a factor here. <laughs> the kid got lifted up off the ground and thrown into the wall with nobody touching him. And they all saw that too, right? And the other thing too is uh, that they can say that all of the staff, all of the medical staff that reported that, Maybe they were all under a collective delusion, like they all were taking drugs. First of all, that's hard to believe because they're medical staff. But even if they were all experiencing delusions, they would be separate from one another in, in terms of which delusion that they were having, right? They would not share in the collective delusion because that's not how delusions work. Mm. And uh, that's rooted actually in some evidence that Lee Strobel found. So Lee Strobel wrote a book called The Case for Christ, highly recommended, proving that historians and scientists, if you combine all of their work together, it's very difficult to discount the historical evidence that Jesus Christ died and then he was buried. And then the conclusion that they've made is that the tomb was empty three days later. There's multiple explanations that atheists who know this some of them are professors at, at prestigious universities. They know this information, but they still have to try and find a reason because they're atheists. They have to find a reason to prove that Jesus Christ did not, in fact, rise again from the dead three days later. Right? Exactly. So they say one of them said that, oh, everybody who saw the tomb that was empty and everybody that saw him come back from the dead. Because right? it says in the Bible, for example, that there was over 500 brethren saw him after he rose again from the dead. So they said, for example, the women, the first women who saw this, they were under a collective delusion. right? And so what Lee Strobel did as a journalist is he took this information to, I believe it was like a professor in psychology, and he asked him, is it possible that they were all sharing a collective delusion? And the psychologist said, no, that's not how delusions work. For example, you can't <laughs> let's say that a husband wakes up in the middle of the night and he had a bad dream. He can't then look over at his wife and wake her up and say, what did you think about that dream I just had? Because they don't share that same experience, right? So therefore, whatever the medical staff collectively reported, this carries a lot of weight. The fact that they actually saw this happen and it can't really be explained away by anything in contemporary science without considering the spiritual realm. Yeah, because they, they had a consensus they, they had an absolute consensus. It, it wasn't like a single medical staff member reported that something was happening. It was, you know, these multiple medical staff reported something that apparently everybody saw. And like you were saying, James, you know, if we have, you know, if one person has a delusion, if one person, say, has something like a dream, that's something that's internal to that individual. And when we're talking about the topic of you know, we can explain this event away. We can explain this event away by, because, you know, there must have been something in the air. There must have been something in the food that the child was lifted and thrown into the wall um, at the primary doctor's office. And at a certain point, you, you know, at a certain point, it becomes uh, two separate, you know, two different perspectives. It's either you're explaining everything away, right? But you got, you know, these are actual multiple people that are reporting these events, right. You know, the other thing too is um, I'm trying to just think of any kind of uh, scientific explanation that would still successfully exclude the spiritual realm. And really the best explanations actually come from theoretical physics, the notion that higher dimensions exist outside of just the three-dimensional plane that we live in. And uh, I guess the fourth dimension can be considered to be time, 
right? So, and then some say, I think the fifth dimension is light. I might, it's been a while since I read into theoretical physics. It's been many years, but uh, I believe like some people say that the fourth dimension is time, the fifth is light. And so there's uh, theories that they're trying to expand upon and started with uh, hyperspace theory, string theory, and now they're calling it like M theory, right? It's like the theory of everything. Mm. And the idea is that there are somewhere around like 11 dimensions, right? And so in higher dimensions, there can exist maybe beings that we cannot experience in their true form in the third dimension, right? So that's even a, that's even um, theoretical physics now, right? And so what they're trying to do is um, they're, they're discovering systems of mathematics that can work in other universes. This is why like Stephen Hawking, he, uh, he, ta- he talked a lot about multiverse theory, where if our universe, if our entire universe is like a bubble, right, there can exist other universes, like other bubbles of universes around our universe. And each one can have different mathematical laws that govern it that might not necessarily line up with the mathematical laws that govern our universe. But you know, they're, they're rooting this theory in, in mathematical tensors. But anyways, um, hmm. the idea is that, you know, there, there are multiple dimensions, dimensions. So that can explain occurrences like this. I mean, that, that actually those higher dimensions can be equated to the spiritual realm. That's the closest thing I can think of from a scientific point of view, a contemporary science point of view that would actually be able to coincide with the spiritual understanding of things. And these are theories. These are scientific theories, which, you know, don't necessarily have empirical backing. Right. And that's, that's, it's more rooted in mathematics. Yeah. They're more rooted in mathematical systems and, Mm. uh, an understanding of, um, well, I mean, I know right now they're trying to actually like string theory. They're Mm. trying to connect this to quantum mechanics which is more of like the going down into the smallest. Um, smaller than atoms. Yeah, smaller than atoms. They're breaking down atoms at the smallest level. Smaller than new At the most electrons. micro level. You know, that's what they're doing with the Large Hadron Collider over there is they're, how do you, how do you even describe it? Ramming they're, tiny particles at incredible speeds such that they will actually break down into even smaller particles if I, if I remember correctly. And, you know, the gist of it is they're slamming very tiny stuff together to find out what's going on in even a tinier plane of existence, I think. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so, yeah, they're smashing these particles together and they're, they're breaking them down into their, their subparticles and they're trying to analyze these quarks, like, for example, these bosons and whatnot. And that's one area of study that is compartmentalized in the, the contemporary science world, right? And they're, what they're having difficulty doing right now is finding a connection between theoretical physics, theories like string theory or M-theory, and connecting the mathematics of these theories to uh, quantum mechanics, right? So there's a disconnect there. And uh, so anybody who is putting their faith 100% in contemporary science and that worldview, that perception of reality around you without considering spiritual expertise. Uh, I, I personally think that um, that uh, those individuals could benefit from being more open-minded towards these things, right? So I, I think also the cultural zeitgeist, the spirit of the times that we live in is shifting more towards, it's shifting back towards a spiritual worldview, right? 
considering once again that um, empirical evidence, like data that we can verify with our five senses alone, I think we're moving beyond that now. The world is now moving back away from kind of like this, almost like this neo-enlightenment age where everything was getting so intellectual. Now we're moving back towards the spiritual again, right? Where we're accepting that maybe there are spiritual realities that we have evidence for, such as with this report here, that we can't explain with our five senses. Like, why, how did this happen? What was, what was lifting this child up off the ground and throwing him into the wall? And on another occasion, it said he walked up a wall, right? And so the officer, let me see if I can find it here. The officer actually asked the child to do it again. Hmm. And uh, Dr. Richardson did not believe it. So he asked if the child can perform this act again. The psychologist stated, I doubt it seriously. This kid was not himself when he did that. Dr. Richardson FMC Washington and the psychologist went back to the room to ask the boy if he can walk up the wall again. And the boy stated, I did not walk up a wall. I cannot walk up a wall. When he tried to walk up the wall again, he could not get his balance nor place his feet properly to walk up the wall. Right. Mm. So that's another incident. So there's two different incidences in this demonic possession case, so-called, right? We have two different incidences that science cannot just explain away. Contemporary science can't really explain away without considering the fact that maybe the spiritual realm exists. And I was going to pull up a, um, a Robert Jastrow quote. This guy, I think this guy worked for NASA. Okay, so yeah, Robert Jastrow here. I'm just going to pull up a quote from Robert Jastrow, but he was an American astronomer and a planetary physicist, right? Mm. Uh, he was a NASA scientist, a populist author, and futurist. So he talks about the importance of respecting those with a spiritual or religious expertise. And I think we're coming into a day and age where things are shifting back towards that. And hopefully we'll talk about this in future podcasts, but some of the current events in the world, I know Abraham, you can attest to this too, are just, these decisions are not being made based on logic anymore. Like no. previously we could not argue in politics about which ideology society should uh, should adopt and which one is, it makes more sense. It's, it's better for the, the majority of people. But now we're coming into a day and age where there are policies being pushed that simply don't make sense, <laughs> right? That's there's not rooted in logic, and you have to start questioning: like, is the spiritual realm real? A lot of religions talk about a uh, spiritual battle, a spiritual war of, of higher spiritual beings, spiritual forces like angels and demons that are influencing, governing forces at high levels, and then these are getting filtered down through society. And the rest of us have to now live with this and accept these new laws and the new society that we're that we're being thrown into, right? So, yeah, and let's yeah. let's use a policy for example. Here, here's one I'm I'm familiar with. Um, in the '60s and '70s, the education researchers that were looking into literacy, the problem of literacy, because there's a huge chunk of the American population that simply was not literate. So they did all this research, and they came to the conclusion that. Phonics. Some of you younger kids, younger, maybe uh, in your early 20s, may not be familiar with phonics. But in the 60s and 70s, they finally concluded that phonics, which is a way of teaching reading, teaching literacy by having students learn how to sound out words. So they found that this, this teaching method called phonics was the best way to make sure that students, by the time they enter college or by the time they graduate high school, they can be literate. So how powerful phonics is, is if you 
for example, they've, they've found that if by the time a child is in fourth grade and has not mastered phonics, then their literacy level uh, by the time they graduate high school will be far lower than those children who learn phonics by the end of fourth grade. But nowadays, recent policies have gotten rid of phonics, um, something that was scientifically proven uh, to improve literacy. And these same studies show that reading comprehension questions just do not work um, at grade levels because if children cannot pronounce words, how are they going to even be able to comprehend the reading and answer those questions? So now we have this whole new policy, educational policy, that goes against tens of years of research. How do you explain that? Except, yeah. you know, like, the, these, these people that are making these policies, they are not dumb. They have people under them that have read this research and that understand the problem of literacy. So why are we going backwards in education? You know, that's that just a good example. question. That is a good question. So this is a quote from Robert Jastro here. It says, for the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He is about to conquer the highest peak. As he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians <laughs> who have been sitting there for centuries. That's and, good. Uh, you know, what's interesting, Abraham, is... Um, Throughout my life, as I've studied and researched into various subjects, whatever popular belief or, you know, whatever the common knowledge of the, the generation or the times that we live in is not necessarily going to line up with common sense, if you, if, you know, if you will, of the generations previous to us, right? So I think it's always important to, to kind of zoom out. A lot of times, I think humanity, we think that we're, we're so advanced now that we're better than any generation that came before us. And that, I think, is, is a dangerous thought. As technology looks like it's better than ever in the, in the day and age that we live in, we're losing a lot of spiritual and philosophical wisdom that took generations prior to us, centuries upon centuries, to really get right. And I think that now we're living in an age like this instant gratification age where we're kind of abandoning that without realizing it. And it's time, you know, I believe that it's time for an awakening, uh, a spiritual awakening to take place as censorship is increasing, right? That's why we're calling this the underground church. It's not like an official organization, but it's kind of the natural outcome mm. uh, when a lot of powerful entities are censoring free speech, right? especially in the United States. I mean, we're all about free speech here. That's the First Amendment. But now they're even criminalizing the First Amendment. You have a lot of your average Joe citizens that are just even, you know, they're, they're saying that anybody who supports the First Amendment is an extremist now. Mm. That's, you know, even making that statement, you're using the First Amendment to even make a statement like that. So they, they don't realize the hypocrisy of what they're doing. But yeah. This yeah, is, we have uh, people being banned on YouTube, people being shadow banned, people not even being told that they're being banned. For them, on their end, they log into Twitter, and their account's totally fine, but for some reason, their impressions have dramatically decreased. Um, you know, so we have Twitter shadow bans. We have um, YouTube deplatforming people that are speaking their minds and, be, you know, trying to be as logical as possible. This is real, guys. Right. Yeah. And so, um, 
Abraham, I don't know if you have uh, any topics to branch out from here as like well, a, a closing topic to I, go on. But. I was actually gonna, I was actually gonna continue this because uh, for one okay. of my clients, I recently wrote a uh, read a book. Um, the title of the book is "The Warfare Between Science and Religion: The Idea That Wouldn't Die," and this is a this is a collection of essays um, of of renowned historians. Uh, it's edited by Jeff Harden. Uh, Ronald Numbers and Ronald Blazley, in case you guys are curious, the warfare between science and religion. And basically, um, these historians, they go back and they track this quote-unquote conflict between science and religion. And mm -hmm. they go through multiple different, um, and uh, you know, this is mainly in uh, American scientific thought, but it also goes through um, just Western philosophy and Western science as a whole. And they go through multiple topics like, you know, what happened with Galileo. Um, they go through Catholicism, uh, Catholics. They go through, you know, Protestant scientists. They go through Muslim scientists. They mm -hmm. go through, you know, all of these different perspectives in the history of science. And what they found is that largely the conflict between, you know, the, the so-called conflict between science and religion is non-existent. Um, it just isn't there. And, you know, th these, these writers, Hardin et al., they, they argue that largely this conflict between science and religion is actually a historical farce. So Interesting. What, so yeah. that's, more of a modern, that's more of a modern talking point then. Very modern. And it's actually perpetuated by the new atheists like uh, Richard Dawkins. And mm. you have uh, Daniel Dennett. Um, on the philosophy side, you have Sam Harris, uh, who, you know, speaks a lot. He's also a new atheist. And they've, what they've done is they've perpetuated this farce. And the news and all of these people and, um, you know, the media has propagated this, this propaganda that science and religion are in conflict. And historically, right. we see that is not the case. We see that, you know, these people that made... You know, people like Galileo um, was actually not going against the church when he was doing it. He was actually a Christian. That's a great point, Abraham. And, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why we're, uh, we're starting off with this, uh, this topic here. Because if the spiritual realm exists, then religious experts are, I believe, in the time that we live in, religious knowledge is going to be on the rise because now there's going to be more of a shift away from this, this purely empirical, you know, intellectual pursuits of Ivy League supposed experts that are now providing guidance to all of humanity, right? Because these are the supposed experts. If it does shift more towards the, uh, the spiritual, uh, not to say that science is going to be in a downfall because of that, but I think that there needs to be more of a, a connection and an understanding between the two fields. And uh, especially, I mean, that's, that's what we're trying to do in this podcast, really. Yeah. Right? We're both Christians. And if we can bring people to at least, at least have an open mind to spiritual things, then that really opens the door for a lot of knowledge to be dropped. <laughs> and uh, um, it's for people who don't know this stuff or have not spent a great deal of time deeply studying and living in the spiritual uh, it's going to be a real eye-opener, and I think it's going to be really exciting. Um, you know, we're coming up on time here, but I just want to say that, you know, hopefully these were some good nuggets of information just to keep, just to get people's minds thinking and just to get the wheels spinning for this podcast as well. 
this was kind of more of an intellectual start. And in the future, you know, there's no telling where this podcast will go, will go direction-wise. And also, um, this this being more of an intellectual presentation, I, I feel like, you know, you're going to see different sides to us and our perspectives that we'll present in the future. Uh, I myself am an artist as well. So I'm not just like a bookwormy kind of a guy. I'm, an, I'm, I'm a, you know, oftentimes I say that my expression is very liberal actually so while my mm. beliefs and the way that i think and analyze things are very conservative and careful the way that i can express myself sometimes it was not really shown in this particular podcast but i can get very liberal with my expressiveness as an artist right so who knows how much of this will kind of find its way into the future podcast i'm glad to have abraham here as well because abraham is also coming from a wealth of knowledge and just a variety of life experiences so Anyways, Abraham, I don't know if you have any closing remarks. Uh, all I really uh, would like to share is, uh, you know, say is just, you know, try to keep an open mind. You know, just because you, you know, just because we don't see something uh, doesn't mean that it does not exist. You know, say gravity or say wind or say electricity. These were things that sounded preposterous to, you know, to everybody until they were actually proven. So I would say that, you know, as James said, there, there is this boundary between what is known, what is empirical, and what is yet to be discovered and what is yet to be understood. Amen. Yeah. All right. We'll see everybody next time. Thanks for tuning in.